welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. If you would put up on the screen uh, uh, what we're going to say before hearing the word right now. We want to kind of prepare our hearts. So let's make this confession as well. So if you would put up there on the screen the before hearing the word confession, that would be great. Thank you, Lord. I guess I could say it and you guys could repeat it. There we go. All right, let's say this together. You ready? God's word is life to me and medicine to all my flesh. I receive the word of God today, not as the word of man. There's no problem that God's medicine can't fix. I am being equipped to live in victory and to do the will of God. Well, Father, with that confession, we say thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit of God who's here tonight to teach us all in this room and watching online. We're going to hear life-saving things tonight. Our lives are going to change. We're not just going to learn. We're going to change tonight. And we're going to leave this service, whether it's from a couch or from here in this building, better, stronger, higher in faith, more equipped. And we thank you because of you, Father. Only great and mighty things will be the result of this meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please, uh, turn in your Bibles to Mark 16. And what we're talking about for the last three weeks is we, the believers, are contagious. We're contagious. Not with sickness. Not with disease. We are the contagious ones with the healing power of God. I'm going to show you through the scriptures. We're going to see over and over and over again that Jesus talks about laying hands on the sick. And not their sickness getting on us, but our healing getting on them. Jesus touched a leper, and the leprosy didn't get on Jesus, which was a very contagious disease. Jesus' healing got on the leper. And so they're going to put up on the screen here our little graphic that has uh, the, the hands, you know, remember the guys, the, the fingers kind of pointing to each other, the graphic you had last week. Um, it's called, We're the Contagious Ones. If you don't have it, that's okay. It's just a graphic. It's, it's just help get it deeper in your heart. Uh, Mark chapter 16. Let's go to Mark 16, and we'll start reading in verse 14 through 20. Notice on the screen there, uh, we're the contagious ones. Yes. Right, guys? We're the ones contagious with healing. Praise the Lord. I mean, the Bible talks about the doctrine of the laying on of hands. There are things transmitted from us as believers to sick people when we believe these things. Healing goes into them. Their sickness doesn't go on us. Our healing goes on them. And so as we're around people and as we're following the Lord and we're doing the will of God, just remember, you got the, you got, you're the contagious one. Yes. right? I'm not talking about doing stupid things and tempting the Lord and just going into places where you have no business, where there's all kinds of disease. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living your life the way God wants you to. Going to work. Going to the store. Just doing, doing the things you, you feel you should do. Being led by the Spirit. If there's ever a situation where somebody's in your presence and they're contagious with sickness, just remember your contagious with healing is greater than their contagious with sickness. You've got to get that in your heart. We're going to talk about why this isn't real to a lot of people and, and get some of those things fixed tonight. But we are the contagious ones. So Mark 16, here's the scriptures in verse 14 through 20. 
Mark chapter 16, and we'll start reading in verse 14, and we'll read through verse 20. Uh, there's only a couple scriptures that we want to emphasize here, but we'll start with uh, Mark 16, 14. And you guys are all there, and I'm the slow one. Mark 16, not Mark 14, Pastor. Mark 16. <laughs> verse 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared unto the eleven, because Judas was gone, so there's only eleven apostles now. Afterward, Jesus appeared unto the eleven as they sat to eat, and Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. I do need to comment on this. Do you not have that scripture up there? Mark 16, verse 14. Um, is that being shown on live stream? Because I, I want them to make sure that they're seeing this. You guys, sometimes our projection doesn't, uh, there, there are glitches sometimes in technological work. So the best thing is to have your Bible. Really, really encourage you. Have your Bible. Turn to Mark 16. Look at verse 14 again. Afterward, Jesus appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, or they sat down for dinner, and it says he upbraided them. Now that's the word rebuke. Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Let's keep reading. We'll come back to this. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Not just preachers, not just prophets and apostles, them that believe. In my name believers shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And that's in the line of duty, accidentally getting bit or something. He's not talking about tempting the Lord, going out and looking for trouble. That's when you get in trouble. But in the line of duty, if something bites you, or you drink something that's poisonous or eat something that's got a disease in it, Jesus said it won't hurt you. And the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Now, now this whole thing started off with, Believers, not just apostles, not just pastors, not just full-time teachers of the Bible. All believers are supposed to be walking in these signs that he talks about right here. Go back to verse uh, 14 because it's very important. It's going to connect with something else we're going to talk about tonight. And I want you to read verse 14 again. After Jesus appeared unto the eleven, he sat at meat and upbraided them or rebuked them for their unbelief. You know, when we hear the word rebuke, we think of, you know, maybe somebody needs rebuked for lying. You know, somebody needs rebuked for stealing. Somebody needs rebuked for committing adultery. Well, according to this verse right here, unbelief is reason for rebuke. I mean, let's face it, when, when people know better and choose not to believe something the Lord said, there needs to be some correction because one of the craziest things that we could do is not believe what God said. A God who is impossible for Him to lie. Never let anybody down. 
His name is called Faithful and True. To not believe what he said in this book here is actually worthy of rebuke. Are you, you think, well, oh yeah, we rebuked that person for stealing and, and committing adultery. And we, we just rebuked that person. That person needs to be rebuked for lying. Well, Jesus says unbelief warrants rebuke. And it's so interesting because unbelief is tied to so many other sins and problems. If people would just believe what God said, they'd live right. If people just believe what God said, they'd be healthy. If people just believe what God said, they wouldn't be broke. If people would just believe what God said. And friend, I, I know some people tilt on that. I had a doctor one time and when our daughter was getting some things checked out when she was really young. Uh, a doctor said, no, because I said something about, you know, we're, we're going to pray and believe God. And he says, well, you know, you, you just, you know, you don't know what God's will is. You know, he, he, he may have some purpose in this. And I'm like going all the time on the inside. No, 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 doctor. No, 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 no. Uh, listen, I've been studying the Bible probably at that time for about 20 plus years. And I knew that God wanted everybody healed. And I knew that he wanted him free. And, and he said, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, not God's will. And, you know, and we can't tell people, you know, that they're little in faith because that would really hurt them. And I got to think, oh, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. If, if telling somebody little faith might be their problem, if that was wrong, then Jesus did a lot of wrong when he was on the earth. Because he told more than a few people, hey, your faith's not where it should be. Hey, oh, ye of little faith. Hey, why did you doubt? Hey, how is it you have no faith? And Jesus, that's love saying that. Love said, where is your faith? Love said, oh, ye of little faith. Listen, little faith is not an incurable problem. Little faith is not an unfixable problem. It's totally fixable. And to think we're all developed in faith to the highest level is just wishful thinking. We all are growing in faith. The Bible says in Thessalonians talks about their exceeding growing faith. It says Abraham was strong in faith. It says he was not weak in faith. It says that Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. Then he said to somebody else, oh, you of great faith. So faith is a journey. Faith is something we develop in. And if, and if the words come to you from a preacher, from the Lord directly, or from a scripture, and challenge you that maybe your faith needs to grow a little bit, that's not a cut. That's a word of love from your Lord Jesus pinpointing a problem that you can fix and come out of and see total victory in every area of your life. Oh, come on. Little faith is not an unfixable problem, guys. And I know some people have a hard time. Are you saying I have no faith? No. We're just saying we all need to grow in faith. Faith is like a spiritual muscle. And the more we use it, the more we grow in it. And so I'm just saying this. Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief. So that's mean. No, that's love. Love did that. Unbelief is nasty stuff. It's the reason for so many other problems. And now, I'm going to go back now to the verse that's been a kind of our golden text in verse 18. It says, Believers shall take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing and will not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, I've been preaching this for a couple weeks. I remember teaching this in healing school. I've taught on it before in the church. And it seems a little out there to a lot of people's minds because this world is just, it's just sticky. It's just, bleh. 
You live too close to the world, the things of God are very far away to you. It's almost like a fantasy or something. We need to switch that and make the things of God real and the things of the world faint, you know, grow strangely dim. And I want to say this to, to y'all right now. I, I know this is high. I know, you know, thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm the contagious one? You mean I lay hands on a sick person, they recover, and I don't get sick? And Because, you know, we're living in a time right now, we've got some health laws, which we respect them. You know, we respect, we don't have anything against people wearing masks. We, we respect the six-foot distance thing. We expect not avoid large gatherings. You know, stay at home as much as you can. That, that's just common sense. That, we understand that. But at the same time, as we're going about our life, if we did come upon a situation where something uh, in the natural looks like it could get on us, we need to have the attitude, no, what I have gets on them. I have healing. Jesus said, touch the sick. He didn't even say pray for them. Just touch them. It's called, it's called divine influence coming out of us into somebody and destroying something that the enemy put on their life. Or that they contracted from this world. We're the contagious one is what I'm trying to say. We've got to renew our mindset. But I want to talk to you tonight about why that's not real to a lot of people. Why it hasn't become super real. Now, one of them is because we do need to develop in faith and we need to start operating in faith in all these areas, in small areas. And then if something bigger does happen, we're ready for it. But I want you to turn with me to, um, we already mentioned the scripture in Matthew, so let's just get right in. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 7. And um, according to Jesus, not believing when you have sufficient word from God to believe. Now listen closely. The Bible calls that a sin. And I do think we need to watch out about calling all these things in our life problems that are actually sins that need to be repented of. Because if it's just a problem, you're going to keep working on it and getting counsel about it. I think we need to take the word problem and maybe chuck it in some of these areas and just call sin, sin. Yeah, while I'm working on it, the Lord never said work on it. He said turn from it, repent from it. He said, well, I'll get some counseling. He didn't say get counseling about it. Stop it. And the good news about it, his commands are enablings. If he tells you that's wrong and he tells you to repent, those words right there will give you the power to turn from it, whether you feel like you can or not. The power of God comes through his word. And you, you need to, if you have problems with addictions, you need to get in the word so that your faith can come up to higher levels and supernaturally overcome these natural things that have been dogging your tracks for so long. There's nothing getting in the word can't fix. It's just even the law of displacement. Come on, you get enough word in you, it pushes out all that other desires, all that other junk. But I know I'm saying some strong things, but this, is, this will set you free, guys. This will totally set you free. Let's don't call sin problems. Because then they're going to last longer than they have to. Well, I'm working on this problem. Lord didn't say work on it. He said drop it. Throw it aside. Cast it out. Turn from it. Leave it. Repent. Right? And unbelief is a sin when you know better. When we've heard the word and we have revelation and we know what God said, to not believe, is, is, that's something we need to repent of and say, Lord, forgive me for violating faith. I knew better. I knew scriptures. So let's just focus on faith for a minute here. Um, before we read this second chronicle scripture, let me just tell you this. I'm going I'm to quote a scripture. 
This came to me just before service tonight. Satan tempts people to sin because he knows it will hurt their faith. A lot of the temptations from the devil are not to bring people to hell. He knows that they're going to repent and be forgiven. He wants to mess up your faith. The devil wants to mess up your faith, so the next time he attacks, your faith is withered. Do you listen to me, friend? Listen, if you were the devil, what would you attack? How about this? The shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If you're the devil, what would you attack in somebody's life? Well, the thing that quenches all his fiery darts. You're going to try to get believers to not pick up their shield, to feel unworthy, to feel guilty about past sins. And the most damaging thing about sin is what it does to your faith in God. That's why you got to get a revelation, man. When you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness when you acknowledge them, when you're truthful about it. Mercy and truth meet together, right? You want mercy, you got to be truthful. And we talked about that for a few weeks before this whole thing hit about husbands and wives getting things right between each other and uncovering secrets and being honest with one another because you don't want to be caught in a pandemic like this with a bunch of secret sins you haven't you know, gotten straight that you need to get straight. Very important to get things straight when the Lord tells you to get them straight because He knows what's around the corner. Amen. Some things in my life I needed to get straight. Got them straight. Praise God. The timing was wonderful. The Lord helped us. But I'm saying all that to say this. The devil, I think the devil would be just fine with us preaching all kinds of other things as long as we don't lift up that shield that quenches all his fiery darts. I think we need a revival of faith teaching and to go even further than we've gone in the past. I think we need a revival. I think we need to focus on faith like never before. Because Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. If you eat or drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we need to, we need to ask ourselves, are we believing this? Are we part-time believers or do we believe everything he said in the scriptures? Alright, so now in 2 Chronicles, I'm going to share some interesting things with you right now. A little bit of this I got from a Keith Moore letter that went out recently. And we talked a little bit about in our, our Faith Heights prayer group last night as we were praying. Um, 2 Chronicles 7.14 So let's read 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is our response right now to what's going on in the world. God gave us this. Actually, do you have verse 13? This is a little, I have to explain this verse to you. But if you can put 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. And I guess, guys, I'm not sure if these are showing up online. Are they showing up online? I didn't know if they're showing up in both places or not. So I want you to notice 2 Chronicles 7, 13. God said, talking to Solomon in a dream, God said, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people... And then he goes into the answer in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. But go back to 13 for a second. And let me just show you. I looked up the word send, pestilence, among you in the Hebrew. And it doesn't mean the Lord took it out of his pocket and gave it to us or went to heaven. There's no pestilence in heaven. The word is let happen. 
If you look it up in the Hebrew, God allowed pestilence to come that their sin was calling for for a long time. In other words, God basically allowed what was on the other side of the door to come to them because they opened the door and they didn't want God's help and they decided to go their own way. And God said, if you really want to go that direction, then you're going to have to also have what goes with it. And that's different than God saying, I want to send this and I'm sending this on you. The word sends a little misleading in the, in the King James Version. It really should be translated, God said, I'll allow these things to happen to you that the enemy's been wanting to do for a long time. And since you've been playing around his house so long and you're rejecting what I want, then if you want it, you can have it. Basically, I'm done protecting you in that area for a while. Interesting. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, he that digs a pit will fall into it. And he that breaks the hedge, a serpent will bite him. And so one of the first things the Lord gave us a couple Sunday mornings ago was teach on why was the hedge broken? How come God couldn't protect us from this virus? And he is protecting us. Don't get me wrong. We are protected. But why couldn't he protect the cities, the countries? Well, there's some things that maybe broke the hedge. You know, we, we really should be looking at ourselves and not the world for the cure for this virus. Because I want you to see now, God said, listen, if you guys keep playing around in sin and you keep hanging around the devil's territory, you know, some stuff's going to get on you eventually. If you don't want me, listen, I respect that. But I'm telling you, if you go that direction, you're going to be hurt. And that's what he was saying in verse 13. Look at verse 14. Here's the answer. Here's the response. God said, if my people stop right there, aren't you glad we don't have to get everybody doing this? It wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. There's no way we're going to get everybody doing this first. There's people that hate God. Don't want Him at all. So we don't have to get everybody doing this. But he said, if my people, I like to say it this way, God's people have the cure for what's going on in our world right now. This is about the people of God. I mean, they, they, we're, we're able to take care of this stuff. I don't know if you realize it or not, church, uh, church but the church... Uh, needed a wake-up call. I'm not saying everybody in the church. I'm just saying, generally speaking, uh, this is a wake-up call. There's some things. Now, the answer to what's going on in our world right now is in this one verse. God said, If my people, who are called by my name, which simply means you're a Christian, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then God said, I'll hear from heaven. Do we have a promise on this? He said, I'll forgive your sin. He said, I'll forgive you for what you did to open the door to this pestilence. I'll forgive you for what you did to open the door to this pestilence. And I'll heal your land. In other words, He's going to heal us from what we allowed He'll heal us from what we open the door to. That's a good God. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because some people say, well, you made your bed. You, you slept in the bed. You're going to have to make it. You know, you messed up. You're going to have to reap the results. That's not our Father. God says you messed up. You're reaping some bad results here. The enemy's getting a hold of you. The devil's able to do some things. But if you will turn to me, I'll hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and heal your land. That's powerful.
But I want you to think about this now. Praying more won't fix everything. Prayer alone won't heal our land. And this is one of the things I think the Lord wanted me to emphasize because this has a lot to do with us being contagious with healing, walking in higher levels of power, seeing more results in our life. There's some things that have been messing with our faith. Now we're praying more as a church. We're praying almost every night of the week at 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time on our Faith Heights prayer group. And if you'd like to request an invite in that, you can. It's a, it's a private group, but if you want to request... The reason it's private, like I said earlier, is because we get into some deep levels of prayer that a lot of the world doesn't understand, and we don't want to cast our pearls before swine. And I'm not saying the world's swine. I'm just saying people don't appreciate these things or don't know about these things or are liable to persecute these things, and we want to save them and shield them from that sin. Um, so... I want to say this again. The word send, God would send pestilence. I need to share this. It means, to, it means to deliver up or to let or to allow what God already told us would come upon us if we opened the door to it. So here, here's what I read in Keith Moore's letter. And we're about done here. I've only got a few more minutes. But Keith Moore sent out a partner letter just the other day. And there was one line in there that really caught my attention, and we actually prayed that everybody in the body of Christ would get this revelation because it's how we'll stay safe in these troubled times or whatever troubled times are around the corner. He said, he said that the body of Christ right now needs to turn from wrongdoings, from doing, from doing what they know is wrong. It's time to turn and, and Carla looked up the word, uh, turn from your wicked ways, because people say, well, I ain't involved in no wicked ways. She looked up the word, and it means turning away from things that are displeasing to the Lord. This is a time right now we need to be very cautious about anything we have a slightest doubt about, or we're not 100% sure God's pleased with. If you can't see Jesus 100% pleased with you doing what you're doing, I would suggest you leave it alone and obey this verse, and let's see healing in our land. So he said, it's, it's time for, for people in the church to turn from wrongdoing, trust in God, and follow his leading, and you'll be safe. It's not just trust in God, and it's not just follow his leading. It starts with turn from your wrongdoing. And so, I, I don't know, I just thought this would be kind of interesting in the last couple of minutes. And Carla, I know you have a phone there, but I, I, I have a question. You know, it's... When he talks about turn from your wrongdoing, I'm curious what some of you think that, that could mean. I mean, down to where the rubber meets the road. What, what kind of wrongdoing do you think the church might need to be aware of in this hour? And so if you want to comment right now, Carla's got her phone right here. I'd just like to hear from some of you, and even in the room here too, what, what do you think? Do you, is there one thing that sticks out to you like, all right, Lord, I, I think the church would do really good if we turned from this, or if, if believers that are struggling with this would, would turn from that, or would turn from this. How would, how would we name this, turn from your wicked ways, today? What kind of words would we use right there? So if you're watching, just comment right now. I'd, I'd like to hear anybody in here. I mean, what's, what's one of the greatest things you think right now that would really help healing in our land to happen if the church would turn away from that, that thing? Any comments on that? I mean, I've got a few on my list. Nobody's commenting. <laughs> I, um, we were talking about this at dinner time tonight, and I thought, you know, it'd be good to... Huh? 
holding offense. Turning from complacency. Turning from complacency. Let me, um, let me address the first one, holding offense. Huge deal. Um, as a matter of fact, Jesus told Kenneth Hagin one time, I think it was in the vision, he said that he would judge his people quicker on spiritual sins than even physical sins. And so when I think of spiritual sins, he's talking about sins of the heart, deep sins like unforgiveness or offense or strife and things like that. So really, whoever commented on that, that that's a pretty big deal. Um, we need to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to be offended you know what I mean? I mean, the devil would love to get us all offended at one another so we can't receive from one another. And the Bible actually says, it talks about um, people um, falling into the snare of the devil because of this striving and this offense stuff. So don't fall for that stuff. If you've got offense or strife against people, matter of fact, you know what I'm sensing, Carla, in my heart? There are some people that need to get back with their divine connections and get rid of the offense, and that would be you turning from something that's been displeasing to the Lord. Analyze all the relationships you know God's worked in your life. Because it's time for people to get some of these things patched up. It's going to take humility. First thing he said, humble themselves right, and pray. And there's some people that, that we need to make sure that we didn't offensively or strifefully sever a divine connection, because if we did, it might need to be patched up. You might need to at least you know, try to make amends, whether there's a physical regathering or not, at least some kind of a, a patching up in there, because that's a huge deal. I believe that's a huge deal of one of the reasons that we need to turn from these displeasing things. Complacency, you said, was one. Judging. Judging. Pride. Pride. Anything yeah. Anything that takes your focus off of God. Anything that takes your focus off of God. If Jesus was sitting right next to you, would you continue that behavior? Speaking against leaders. Speaking against leaders. Accepting sin. Accepting sin. Now, go back to that second one, complacency. Yeah. See, that, that's a big one. I have seen, and I know, it, it just seems like uh, instead of the church going into all the world to preach the gospel, it's almost like all the world has gone into the church with its traditions and, and its things just so people can be more pleased. we got to watch out about that. You know, I, I believe one of the messages we're going to hear in these days, which we know are the last days, we're going to hear powerful, fresh teaching on repentance and how it's a life-saving word. Keeps you from perishing. Keeps you from all kinds of darkness and disease. Repentance is a life-saving, healing word. I don't know why. I, I, well, I do know why. I know why some people don't like that word because the devil is telling them, well, you take it, God's going to take away all your fun. No, God's going to get you healed and delivered and set free and you're going to have fullness of joy, not just Hollywood hee-hee stuff. Yeah. What else are they saying? Um, Idolatry, which we know is not just setting up an idol and worshiping a Buddha statue. It's loving money more than God, loving somebody else more than God. Keep going. Um, not doing what you know to do. Not doing what you know to do. Sins of omission. Um, putting God lower than first place. Putting God lower than first place. See, these are subtle sins, but they're important. These, are, these have to be revealed or people won't know to turn from them. Selfishness. Selfishness. Missing church. Missing church. Assuming that grace and mercy are for the get out of jail. <laughs> Assuming that grace and mercy are for get out of jail. Um. You know, the Bible talks a lot about um, fleshly things that war against the soul. 
And I, I don't know, I, I, I really, as a pastor, I don't like to intrude into people's lives, but I know we all want healing in our land. I know we do. And one of the things that's going to bring healing in our land is turning from these uh, wrongdoings. And it, it, prayer alone won't heal our land. But turning from our wrongdoings and prayer and humility, that will heal our land. And all the sinners around us are just going to get the benefit of the healing. But God said, if my people do this, the whole world would be benefited by it. Now, we're all going to be fine if we do this in our own lives. And all this stuff will be happening around us and it won't be able to come on us. But I want the land healed. I want the cities healed. I want, we got some more preaching to do and we don't just want our little bubble doing well. We got to work in this world. We, we want everybody doing well so we can get them the gospel and then Jesus can, you know, catch us away and we can be out of here. But, um, you know, I think what it is, is you have a conscience. I have a conscience. And anything that used to wound that conscience probably still does wound that conscience. But if we practice wrongdoing for a while, we've gotten seared. We've gotten callous to that. And so we may have to just stop some things that we once knew were wrong, get soft again, and then we'll go, oh, that's right, man, I'm soft again. I, I, I forgot I slipped into that. I got calloused. I got hard. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.